Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Ferdell with you on this Tuesday afternoon, sitting in for the guys, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. So John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies two-time All-Star guard, has spoken And we will get to that momentarily. The Memphis Grizzlies say that they expect him to play on Wednesday when the Grizzlies have the Houston Rockets. And John Morant has told the team, apparently, according to ESPN's Tim McMahon, that he is willing to come off the bench as he returns from suspension and his minutes are going to gradually increase to normal. Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, says that is being considered tomorrow against the Rockets. John Morant's suspension, which was for eight games due to conduct detrimental to the league, was issued that suspension. He came off suspension yesterday, and the Memphis Grizzlies said that there was a conditioning process that he had to go through in order to get back to action. They called it. Uh, they called it, uh, it was just precautionary reasons, and they said that that was going to be part of the ramp-up process for John Morant as he gets back to action. But all signs are pointing to John Morant being able to return on Wednesday with his teammate from the Golden from the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's hear from John Morant right now about what was going on the last couple weeks. He spoke for the first time about what the process was like during his suspension. Ongoing process, continued process for me. Obviously, you know, I've been there, uh, you know, for two weeks, but, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm completely better. So, um, you know, that's an ongoing process for me. That, you know, I've still been continuing, you know, since I've been out. That was John Morant about the ongoing process of the rehabilitation. We know that he ended up going to Florida, at least for you know a brief period of time while he was serving his suspension. Here's what he had to say about his main focus moving forward. Me saying things, um, you know, actions speak very louder than words. So that's my main focus now. Obviously, you know, super excited to be back with my teammates. Um, you know, that's, you know, the main thing right now. So right now for me, it's just, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing and continuing to, uh, you know, go through my process of, you know, becoming, you know, a better me. I feel like, you know, if I do that, not only will it help me, um, but it'll help, you know, everybody around me as well. So the main focus moving forward, maintaining his sense of self is what that sounded like. I feel like this is a situation for John Morant where these questions are going to continue to come and continue to come in rapid succession if there is anything else that pops up with him off the court. But the focus right now for him going forward, focusing on his sense of self. Here's what he had to say when he was asked what he's still uncomfortable with. A lot of things. It's a lot, man. People don't know what's, you know, going on, uh, you know, not in my shoes right now with, you know, everything that's been going on as of late. Um, obviously, you know, it's still, you know, I take, like I said, take responsibility for, you know, decisions I've made um, that pretty much, you know, hurt me to the core. Um, you 
know, not like I said, it not only affected me, but it affected everyone around me, my family, this organization, my teammates, and um, caused me not to be out there on the floor, um, which, you know, one thing I, you know, I love to do the most is, you know, play basketball, so um, it's a lot, but, you know, like I said before, it's an ongoing process, you know, with everything I've been doing the past two weeks, and you know, I'm going to continue to do that to, you know, get through everything I need to to be healthy. All right, that was John Morant, Memphis Grizzlies all-star guard, addressing his suspension, an eight-game suspension away from the team. He is eligible to return right now. The Memphis Grizzlies have a game on Wednesday against the Houston Rockets. Head coach Taylor Jenkins says he expects Morant to be back in action for that game. We'll see whether it's him coming off the bench in a ramp-up period or whether he ends up starting. Sounds like both options are on the table for John Morant. Now, Nick, I mean, as you listen to John Morant and you hear what he had to say in some of the the accountability he was taking, but also kind of leaving things very general. It doesn't seem like he got into too much of what led to the suspension and all that happened. You know, we we know the the incident that was highlighted with the strip club in Denver, where he was shown on Instagram Live flashing a weapon in an allegedly intoxicated state. You know, there's all of those things, but it felt like he kind of kept this at a thirty thousand foot level when he's talking about what led to his suspension, and now that he's back, putting it behind him. Courtney, it sounds like he is doing exactly what the people behind the scenes want of him, in that. Doesn't want to make things specific. He he doesn't want to to go into much detail about exactly what's gone on and what has gone wrong. And all I could say in my own experience as a journalist, as somebody who has covered the league for 15 years at this point, I would tell any athlete going through the type of big time national story that draw, draws this kind of attention just to be as forthright as possible. And I I think that you read it correctly because when you're jaw and you're trying to make sure that uh, you're not saying too much and you're trying to take uh, a little accountability but you're not going into detail about everything that's gone on around you, uh, that would not be the approach that I would want to see an athlete in the same position take. He's teetering a line. He's teetering a very fine line here where he's trying not to say too much but also show remorse. And I do wonder if there is some sort of, you know, some sort of lesson that maybe athletes have seen, especially those in the NBA, where it is a Kyrie Irving example of what not to do in those circumstances where – where John Morant was able to show empathy for himself in the situation, also show some accountability that he messed up in these moments and that he had a situation that had to be handled and was dealt with a eight-game suspension. But he didn't go into all of the details except this one piece right here where he was asked apparently about the situation and what unfolded in Denver. We do know that he was at a strip club. He was the police report that came out that he was in an alleged intoxicated state. But he says that there is no issue with him and alcohol. I don't have an alcohol problem. Never had an alcohol problem. Um, I went there for counseling um, to learn how to, you know, manage stress, cope with stress in you know a positive way. Um, instead of you know ways I've you know tried to deal with it before that you know caused me to make you know, mistakes. Now Morant was 
referring to the counseling program that he went to in Florida that came after the suspension was handed down and he had to miss uh, eight games for his his off-court decision-making. And, you know, the counseling program that he went to had no timetable for return. We didn't know if it was going to be a week-long program, a two-week-long program, an extended program. But what we do know is that he did complete it. And I don't know, like, if the NBA had mandated something like this. Maybe you can shed some light on that, Nick. If there was a mandate, was that an NBA decision or was that a personal decision from John Morant? Courtney, but what I would tell you is any situation that rises to this level, the NBA usually is involved in every step of the process. When you start having conversations with Adam Silver and the league office becomes involved, no matter what Ja or the Grizzlies were going to say, of course the NBA wants to see that that something is handled behind the scenes and and that in this case there was some counseling that took place. The question that I keep getting from not only people that are watching the Grizzlies and watch the NBA, but people who cover the league is, just how much could be accomplished in such a short amount of time. And if Ja really has uh, a serious issue that needs to be addressed, is it going to be able uh, to be worked on that much uh, in the span of a couple weeks? So uh, there are so many different layers to this story. There is so much intrigue now because it has crossed that threshold into uh, a story that people who don't follow the NBA uh, would care about. But If you're the league, Courtney, absolutely they're going to be involved on some level because uh, it it crossed that that threshold, and now you're talking about a young player who is going through things uh, on a public level, the likes of which we haven't seen uh, at this front uh, on this front in a while. Okay, so like that's what I want to do because you're so close to this situation and you know, you know, way more about this than I do. And you know, when we had Larry Johnson, former UNLV and NBA star, on with us earlier on Kenny and Carlin, and other players have echoed the same thing. Like, man, Jaw's dealing with a lot right now. And when that alcohol question comes up, it makes me an outsider wonder. Like, is was that something that it was a concern around the NBA for more than just this incident that we now know of that was documented in Denver? I think it's a question that uh, may have popped up behind the scenes, but when you see an episode like this, and Courtney, I, you know, we can go through all the different reasons why this occurred and Jaws' choices, but when you put yourself on Instagram Live at a strip club at 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, in, in the morning, people are going to wonder not only what's going on in your mind, but is an issue like alcohol part of it? And now that it has become part of the the public discourse, any questions or whispers there might have been behind the scenes come out full front now. And, and it's going to be something that uh, he deals with uh, and, and is going to have to deal with. So uh, the question really to me isn't uh, what had gone on before. The question is, what does he plan to do moving forward to make sure that it doesn't happen again? And as far as the alcohol is concerned I, when when that stuff starts to get asked in a press conference or in this format, the questions about it have been building to a point where uh, there are plenty of people that have thought that something might be going on, and now uh, John Moran is going to have to face whatever that is uh, head on as he tries to uh, 
recreate the image or or rebuild the image that he so many uh, people had of him over the last couple of years as he elevated to stardom in the NBA. He could be throwing away his entire future. And hopefully now that this has been, you know, suspension has been levied, he's handled that. He spoke publicly today, not getting into too many details, but at least offering some sort of accountability and culpability for what had happened. You hope that he's at least on the right track towards getting back in the good graces of the NBA because we know that he was supposed to be the next face of this league or at least in a group of the next faces. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's Jason Tatum. Of course. It's Giannis. Um, but the next group that's supposed to take over when the LeBrons, the Kevin Durants, and the Stephen Currys end up moving on and into retirement, their next era of life. But this feels like it's too soon, certainly, to make any sort of declaration about John Morant being that guy. You hope for the sake of someone who loves watching him play and someone who wants the best for you know, the athletes that you root for, that he can find the help that he needs. And it can be a continual process because this can't just be, I handled my suspension. I'm moving on. No more questions can be asked of me and what I'm going through. This is a a routine thing now. And I don't think it has to be brought up at every turn, but it's not going to go away anytime soon. So I hope that he's prepared for that. I hope that the accountability to, you know, Get his fan, get some of his fans back. Some people who were turned off by this entire incident, and some people who said, you know, to hell with the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm not dealing with this because if it's not John Morant, it's Dylan Brooks getting suspended because he has too many technical fouls in the season, and just all of the off the court distractions that have been surrounding one of the best teams in the Western Conference. So you hope that if this is a team that's going to make a deep run and win this year, that they can write the own, their own ship and, and keep keep these sort of things out of the headlines when it pertains to their name, their brand, and their team as a whole. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. More on John Morant later in the show, but we have some free agent quarterback news No, we're not talking about Lamar Jackson and him signing somewhere else. Cam Newton. You haven't heard his name in quite some time because he was out of the league for a year after he played with the New England Patriots in 2021 and eventually lost his job to then-rookie Mac Jones. He was throwing at Auburn's Pro Day today. That is what he put on Twitter yesterday, and this is what he had to say about why he would be showing off for NFL scouts and executives. Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say I can't wait to say it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm seeing a lot of people calling the idea and it's official. I will be throwing at Auburn's Pro Day Tuesday. Ain't 32 months better than me. Yeah. That was Cam Newton, a message that he and his team put together, letting everybody know that he would be throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. Courtney Cronin, and Nick Ferdell with you here on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I was a little surprised to see it. It's not the first time we've seen somebody who is a free agent trying to get back in the game to prove they deserve a job on a team utilizing a pro day. Cam Newton led Auburn to a national championship in the early 2010s. That's his school. 
they would, of course, welcome him back in because that would make your receivers look great if they're showing off in front of scouts from somebody who has a cannon of an arm. But it was a little random to see this thing pop up. I know he's only been out of the league for a year. But to me, this is more of a desperation move than somebody who actually thinks he can make noise on an NFL roster when we know health for him has been a concern throughout the, the later part of his career. Oh, Courtney, first and foremost, it sounds like Cam is cutting a wrestling promo. <laughs> In that clip, I'm, I'm listening to it going, okay, Cam, all right. But the sad reality, and this is happening more and more uh, to – Guys that think they still belong in the league and can play at a certain level, and the league says, uh, no, you know, it's it's probably just not going to happen, is Cam Newton didn't play for a year. Did anybody sit there after watching him before he uh, he stopped playing going, hey, you know what this league is missing? It's missing Cam Newton. He can still play at a high level. My read on this situation is exactly what you uh, what you underscored. This is a guy who is desperate to get back in, but it feels like the NFL has passed him by. And the amount of injuries and the toll that it took on his body to play the style that he played and play at the level he did play at, especially in Carolina, uh, just led to him not being able to get another shot. But when I watched him play in New England and you watched the way he struggled to to get things rolling after the beginning of that season, I, I, I don't view Cam Newton as a guy who can really make a difference on a roster anymore. He led the Panthers to a Super Bowl in 2015, the year that he won the MVP and did so in exciting fashion. He was changing the game, the landscape of the quarterback position in ways that we had not seen at that point. Uh, you know, Michael Vick was the last one who who was that sort of prototype where it's not just a typical, uh, you know, prototype pa- pocket passer. It's a quarterback who can be electric in so many different ways. He's six foot five, 245 pounds. He is a hoss coming at you at the goal line. No one wants to tackle that. And so we look at him and the way he played the game and realizing that there were injuries that absolutely de- derailed his career. So I think about the time that he tore his rotator cuff in the 16 season and what that did to a very promising season for the Carolina Panthers, derailing it really around the middle part of the year. And then not being able to come back in spite of all of the the shoulder surgeries that he had. Then he gets injured in a preseason game in 2019, tears, you know, has a Liz Frank injury. And he was never the same. So when I look at Mel, when I look at what what people are saying out there, Keyshawn Johnson of KJM believes that he absolutely can have a rebirth. I'm on the other side of that. I know that there are 32 teams in the NFL that have a starting quarterback. Are there 32 teams right now that have quarterbacks who are better than Cam Newton? In a vacuum, no. There are there would be a spot for him somewhere, but can you? hedge everything that you have that Cam Newton at this part of his career you know teetering on the on the verge of 30 years old can he last an entire season I think that that still remains the big concern the way I look at it to put a bow on this is that this is somebody who wanted to go out on his terms he was the perfect candidate to retire a Carolina Panther had things gone right the first time around they didn't 
injuries put him on a, in a situation where he ends up getting released during the COVID season. He signs with the New England Patriots, looks good for seven games, does not look good in the nine games that they lost that season. He wanted to go out on his terms. I think he's having a hard time letting this thing go. So this is his chance to try to control the situation around his career because he never got to say goodbye in the way that he wanted to. So this would maybe give him the opportunity for one last shot. I just don't think there's going to be any team that's going to take a chance on Cam Newton. You're right, Nick. The game has passed him by. It's, it's amazing how quickly that happens in the NFL for guys who are out for a year or more. We'll see if that ends up being the case with Odell Beckham Jr. and his, his chance to try to come back from an ACL tear. But at this point... It feels more like Cam Newton getting the spotlight on him for one more 15-minute segment more than this being an actual leading to an actual signing of him on an NFL roster. As promised, we'll get to Mel Kuyper's mock draft coming up next after th- Nick tells you this from FanDuel. Courtney, basketball is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash play to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Free agency is in the books, at least the first wave in the NFL, where all the marquee players have found new homes. So what better time for Mel Kuyper to release Mock Draft 3.0 than right now? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedel with you on this Tuesday afternoon presented by Progressive Insurance. Four quarterbacks, Nick, all gone. 
by the time the Chicago Bears pick at nine, by the time the Detroit Lions are on the clock at six. And if you are just hearing that, thinking of the draft order right now, where you have the Houston, where you have the Carolina Panthers at one because of the trade with the Chicago Bears to get the number one overall pick before free agency, Houston at two, the Indianapolis Colts at three, the Arizona Cardinals at four. And actually, you can go ahead and flip those. That's the mock trade that Mel projected in this. But at five, five is the Seattle Seahawks. And Pete Carroll did say he left the door open for maybe that this team would draft a quarterback. But that is far sooner than in any mock draft I've seen up until this point, all four quarterbacks leaving the draft board by the fifth overall pick. This is another example, Courtney, of why there is always so much hype around quarterbacks, and then we see the draft actually play out, <laughs> and you're like, Where, why, why didn't everybody just go right up top? And uh, as I look through and start reading more about what's going to occur, my biggest question, and Mel touched on it, is why is it that for the last couple months, it felt like it was Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, Bryce Young, and then it was Bryce Young and maybe Anthony Richardson making a push, and now it seems like C.J. Stroud has pushed all the way through up top. Yeah, there's been some weird, like, everybody else is in on Bryce Young except for the Carolina Panthers. That's what I felt at the NFL Combine, that the smoke around Bryce Young was the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, maybe even the Atlanta Falcons. They need a quarterback. They're sitting there at number eight in this mock draft of Mel's. They're out of the mix for a quarterback. But it felt like the Carolina Panthers were really the only team that was super, super hot on C.J. Stroud, and that's who Mel has them taking in mock draft 3.0. Why why is that? Hear from Mel Kuyper yourself. Frank Reich has preferred the bigger quarterback in his history. That's why C.J. Stroud seems like the quarterback that right now, if you said, okay, well, why are you projecting Stroud number one? It's because of that exact fact. He's a lot bigger. He's coming off the outstanding game against Georgia. Strong combine. You wish he would have played like it against Georgia throughout his, the last two years at Ohio State on a regular basis. Hopefully he can bottle that and take it into the National Football League with him. So if you're asking me right now, it would say C.J. Stroud, but it's still a really too close to call. Mel Kuyper on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, morning 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. And when you and I yesterday were talking with David Newton, the Carolina Panthers reporter for ESPN's NFL Nation, about that notion that there's, you know, bigger quarterbacks are only what Frank Reich is going to be drawn to. He told us flat out that Frank Reich said that's a misnomer. You know, he gave a, he had a high grade on Russell Wilson, who's all of 5'11", coming out of college, and that just because the track record is there of him having big quarterbacks does not put Bryce Young out of the conversation. He said that, but do you do you actually believe him, Courtney? <laughs> this This feels like coach lip service uh, at its core. And you hear it all the time when drafts pop up. Coaches and executives want to leave open any possibility not to shut themselves out in case something happens. But when you look at the track record, and Mel referenced it there in that clip, you see and you hear a coach that has done things a certain way for a long, long time. And that's why it does make sense when you're breaking down what could happen, especially with Reich in charge, uh, there in Carolina, uh, why he would prefer Stroud, a much taller guy, than where Bryce Young is at. 
All right, let's read through the top 10 so you have an idea of how this quarterback board shakes out when we said C.J. Stroud went to Carolina at number one in Mel's mock draft 3.0. At two, the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. He has been rumored to have been, to be their favorite of the four in this draft class. And then there's a projected trade where Indianapolis looks at Arizona and says, hmm, you guys might end up messing this whole thing up for all of us. So they move up one spot to take Arizona's pick at number three. And with that pick, they take Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky. At four, Arizona gets the Best defensive player in the draft, Alabama's Will Anderson Anderson Jr., the edge rusher. And then comes number five, the Seattle Seahawks, seemingly out of nowhere. Maybe that's not the case. They take Anthony Richardson from Florida. And when I look at this, I think to myself, typically in mock drafts, as we get closer to the actual draft day in the first round, the quarterbacks all of a sudden go really early and there's none available by X pick doesn't always play out and realistically that probably won't play out with this group because there are so many questions still about Anthony Richardson is he more of a project than a polished product same thing with Will Levis but if you're looking at it through the lens of a Seattle Seahawks team that just signed Geno Smith to a short-term extension but a good one for him he absolutely deserves it what he did this year in in you know rebounding his career at 32 years old it's a good spot for an Anthony Richardson to go to because he does not have to play right away, and there would be no expectation that he would probably have to play this season. Do you get the sense, as you talk to people about Anthony Richardson, having watched him so much at Florida and having seen the good and the bad, that he is the type of guy who can develop into the quarterback that all these teams seem to want him to be? Or is he just the latest, hey, his numbers look good, and he's gone through these workouts, and 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 the feeling is that that he can be uh, a, a star in this draft where uh, maybe we didn't see it as much at Florida. We didn't see it much at Florida. We saw a 13-game sample size. And that's the problem, where you're projecting somebody off of such a limited amount of work and a completion percentage that just was not great throughout his college career. If he can go to the right place where footwork and accuracy become the two focal points for him right away, and he's not forced into the spotlight where you have to carry a team on your shoulders, especially a Seattle team that made the playoffs last year, their expectations of having to like hit the reset button are null and void because of what happened last year, and they feel like they can pick up here in the NFC West where Arizona and the Kyler Murray injury situation puts them behind the eight ball. We know the Rams are resetting right now so it's the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks they have a window so you have to have a quarterback when you have a window to win and that's a great place for him because of the the stylistically what they do there him being able to learn under a veteran in in uh, Geno Smith but it, he he's too raw for me when I think about him and where he stands currently, having played thirteen, having started thirteen games at Florida, to make the ultimate proclamation that he's going to be an NFL prospect that pans out. To me, he's still a project. To Mel Kiper, very clearly viewing the Seattle Seahawks with that same sort of mindset, and that's the reason they had him at five. Because when you ha- when you're picking that high, 
And that was a gift for them from Denver when they traded for Russell Wilson. They ended up getting that first-round pick. You can't really look past taking a quarterback. It's always a position you want to have on your roster. And when one falls into your lap, which this did in his scenario, Mock Draft 3.0, which you can read at ESPN.com and also see Mel Kuyper on the 6 p.m. Sports Center with his Mock Draft 3.0 special, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you can't pass that one up. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Straight ahead, Julius Randle breaking down his monster night. But also, how much should we believe in the New York Knicks? That's next, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The New York Knicks, one of the hottest teams right now in the NBA. We wanted to get into a conversation about Julius Randle, about whether we believe in this team, and start that off here on Canty and Carlin ESPN Radio. But some unfortunate news involving the New York Knicks. Willis Reed, the legendary captain and star center for the Knicks, who led the franchise to its only two championships, has passed away at the age of 80, ESPN has learned. So thoughts and prayers out to Willis Reed's family, one of the all-time greats with the New York Knicks franchise, one of the all-time greats in the NBA. Hot ticket brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. So I know Nick Ferdell, Courtney Kernan here with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Nick, you were at this game last night where the Timberwolves end up beating the New York Knicks, but in a stretch of a couple days where they only had two games this week, this is a team that's still very much in the mix right now for the postseason. Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett averaging 21 points over their two wins that they had prior to this loss. And I keep wondering... Is the bottom going to fall out for the Knicks? Can you not just be the regular season champs that we sometimes like to crown them with? I mean, that was last year. That was the year before. If this is a team that can actually win a playoff series, I will go ahead and eat my words. But it just, I I, I don't know why. I have like trepidation on going all in on the Knicks right now just because I've seen this story play out in the regular season before and I don't want to like fall for the same trap again. Courtney, it's not just that you've seen it in New York. If you close your eyes and think hard enough, you've seen it plenty of times in Chicago, too. This is a Tom Thibodeau try-hard team that has some great moments during the regular season, but just doesn't have enough pieces to make you think they could make any realistic run 
once the playoffs begin. And as I sat there last night watching Randall continue to pour it in from all over the floor, you watched a really, really good player who ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. But even more, you watched a really good player that didn't get enough help around him. And Courtney, the bigger issue for me with the Knicks throughout the rest of this season is the defense just hasn't been there lately. They got crushed by a Minnesota team that's still playing without Carl Anthony Towns. The Timberwolves got anything they wanted running up and down the floor. You could write it off as a bad night, and I am sure as Tibbs watches that film, that's what he will try to spin it as, as I watch the Knicks, even though they've had a lot of success recently in the last month. I just don't believe this is a team that can make much noise once the real games start. It's sad that they're wasting this version of Julius Randle. And I know I said this two years ago, the version of Julius Randle where he gets to the Knicks. He has this, you know, second lease on life, at least in the in his NBA career. And what did it amount to? Not much. I mean, not in the postseason. Scores 50 high, 57 points last night. That's a career high. Yet that's not enough. And especially on the defensive end, like you mentioned, in a 140-134 loss to the Timberwolves at the Garden, they wasted a performance. They absolutely wasted what Julius Randle did yesterday. And what's to tell me that that's not going to happen again, especially when – you know, this this defenseless New York Knicks team that we saw last night, this is a version of them that we have seen, which is crazy to think about from a Tom Thibodeau team. This is a version of them that unfortunately has popped its rear, it's reared its ugly head at most inter- inopportune times this season. This is a team, Courtney, that just feels uh, deflated last night. And what would really worry me as the Knicks get prepared for whatever they face in the first round, assuming that they don't fall into that play-in bracket, is where is the help going to come from defensively when you need to make a big stop? Uh, I know that it, that quickly has shown some uh, some promise. I just don't believe that the supporting cast around Randall and Brunson is strong enough to make you believe that this team can really do anything once it got there. I hope it's stronger than the supporting cast that they had the last time they were in the postseason, the 2020-2021 mm-hmm. season where they lost in five to the Hawks. Like, If you get to the postseason, don't do that again. Don't disappoint us all because I'd like to see Julius Randle's 57 points and whatever he does in the postseason actually amount to something this time around. Straight ahead, John Morant has spoken for the first time since his eight-game suspension. We will play you some of that next and look at his future on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.